here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. It's good to be with you this morning and I'm really super excited. I'm always excited. On a Sunday, amen. You know me, you know that. I'm excited about the word, but I really feel the series we're doing now is so pivotal uh, to to what the world is going through, and we're going to call it overcoming. And uh, we've we've spoken against fear, we've spoken against sickness, and all those things, and that doesn't change. But I really want to just pivot a little bit and speak about mental health this morning. I want to speak about mental health in the sense of fear, uh, stress, anxiety, and the word. Really, why do we speak about it? Because the word speaks about it. Don't be anxious about anything. Instead, with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, make your request known to God. You see, the antidote to fear is not meditation. It's not, um, I don't want to name a few names of medicine. It's not medicine. It's not anything out there. It's not necessarily healthy meals, even though that will help. It's not more sleep because you can have nightmares and wake up unrested. It is really relationship with God. The antidote to fear, anxiety, depression, whatever you want to add on that list is really, really the relationship with God. And, and I was so um, overwhelmed almost by looking at Gideon, and we've looked at Gideon for a few weeks now, and we don't want to look at Gideon too much this morning. But Gideon, we, what do you think when you think of Gideon? There's a few things that I think about. I think about 300, okay? 300, Gideon and his 300. You think about mighty man of valor, but that puts pressure on you. Amen? <laughs> Is it just me? When God wakes me up when I'm hiding in a wine press trying to hide from my enemies and He says, mighty man of valor, that puts pressure on you. Yeah. Let's be true. Let's be honest this morning. I know that's not what they taught you in the last men's camp you went to, but that's true. Joshua, be courageous. Why? Because I'm with you. That's the, that's the key. It's, it's, it's who's with us. And then we look at Gideon and Judges 6. And uh, Judges 6 really is this, it's, it's this trans decision of Gideon and in Judges 7 1 then Gideon just goes but we can't start there we need to see what got him going and we know that it is the 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 fleece not the fleece but the <laughs> the flesh the wool amen and then he said the wool must be dry and the wool must be wet and the ground must be dry and the ground must be wet and that's all of that and we think that if we just get one more sign from God then we'll do what he's called us to do okay I mean one thing we do at this church is we're honest <laughs> So it's just me. One more sign, God, then I'll do it. God, just make it plain. God, if, it, if you make it plain, I'll do it. That's not what Gideon did. That's not what Gideon did at all. Gideon comes and the angel speaks to him. And it's really interesting how it's written. It speaks about the angel, which is the messenger of the Lord. And then the next moment he speaks to the Lord himself. So we don't really know the transition there. But he, he, he has this. He says, okay, I'll do it. But just wait. This is the first sign. Wait, wait, and if I bring the offering and you're still here, then, then it's you. That's the first sign of Gideon. That's the one we don't know so well. We know the, the fleece, the wet fleece and the dry fleece. We know that part, but that's still coming. So what he does is he goes and he, 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 he uh, gets a goat and he makes a, a broth. That is the blood. He makes the, brings the meat and he brings unleavened bread. Now, when I read those things in the Old Testament, my radars go off. Jesus. <laughs> it's types and shadows. Uh, let, let's talk about it. So he brings the, the, the offering, and guess what? The angel's still there. 
Now the angel says then, okay, put the meat on the rock. Whoa, okay. Put the unleavened bread with that. Okay, now we're thinking Passover, we're thinking Jesus, the lamb without sin, we're thinking all those things, hopefully. And he says, pour the broth over it. So pour the blood over the offering, over the rock. Now, I'm thinking Golgotha. And you know what happens next? The angel of the Lord takes his staff, which is probably wood, and he puts it down on the offering, on the rock, a sign of the cross. And what happens next? A flame comes not from heaven, but from the rock. And it consumes the entire offering. Now, I don't know about you, but that's wow. That's pretty impressive. But guess what? That's not enough to get Gideon going. Who's glad God is gracious? <laughs> Lord of another chance. Lord of, let's do it again. Let's do some more. And then what did he do? He says, put the fleece out on the threshing floor. Puts the fleece out on the threshing floor. And guess what? The fleece is wet. The ground is dry. Sure, amazing. Should be the other way around. But no, it isn't. And then Gideon says something very specific in Judges 6. He says, Lord, do not be angry with me. I ask you one more sign. What is happening throughout Judges 6? It's not that we're building up enough signs, which gives us enough courage, which makes us move in faith. No, Gideon is, if you will, getting a progressive revelation of the true nature of God. That's why we don't need wet fleeces and dry fleeces today if we know the true nature of God, because then we'll move in what he says, because we also know when it's him talking. When we were sitting now, and in, in, or not sitting, standing in worship, and I think about what Natasha said, and I, it came to mind, Samuel said, Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. But God is speaking all the time. So well, how do we know that it's him speaking? We need to know his nature. We need to know who he is. God says, go and kill a hundred people. That's not the God that we serve. <laughs> Amen? When God says, go and love on someone. Go and tell them they're forgiven. Go to this world, this country. Go, go to this place and tell that one person. Oh, God, but you're a God of the masses. Yes, but he's a God of the one. He's the one who leaves the 99 to go after the one. And Gideon says, Lord, do not be angry, but I've got one more thing to ask of you. And he says, let the ground be wet and the fleece be dry. God says, it's fine. Whatever you want. Like God doesn't even answer him about the anger because God is no longer angry with us. It's not in his nature to be angry. So a lot of what the world is going through currently is because they don't know God or they don't know God the way we should know him. So unless I'm going to say that again, the world either doesn't know God or they don't know God for who he really is. Why are people so afraid to die? Let's go deep. <laughs> Let's go deep this morning. Because they don't know where they're going if they die, or they do know and they don't want to go there. Let's be honest again. The word says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. So, why are we afraid to die? We lost people in the pandemic, family. That's not God's best. But it doesn't mean we need to go into a spin now. I know, like I look around, I know Peter has lost his dad. 
But he shared this morning how God has like given him that sweet moment with his father over a whole weekend, which is a bonus, which is grace, which is just, that's who God is. Hey, I know my son and I know him and his father have a relationship like I and him have a relationship. So let's bless them with an awesome time together. It's not God's best for people to die, but to die is gain. We're going to see them again. You know what I was confronted with last night in bed? I was thinking about something. And uh, we need to write an eulogy. Is that what you call it? For someone, for a eulogy. See, I'm exactly like Afrikaans now. Okay. <laughs> my, my English only grows tired at 9 p.m. But then, I'm, then I don't have words anymore. But thinking, so and so, was so, oh, look, no. It's not was. It is. Their name was. No, their name still is. You know what, Moses, Moses dies, and he says, Lord, if I could only see the promised land. Who thinks God is a bit unfair? Huh? Moses has done everything except that one thing, and now he misses out on the promised land. If that is where you're about with God, then let me take you a step further. Jesus goes up with three disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. Where is that? It's in the Promised Land. Who shows up? Moses. And Elijah. And then Peter messes it up. Okay, we don't know what Jesus really wanted to do there, but you can mess up God's plans. I mean, there's a scriptural precedent for it. So it's not always God messing it up. Let's stand up for God some. <laughs> Moses shows up in the Promised Land. God is good, people. He's gracious. He's comforting. He is the comforter. Now, I had this picture in worship as well this morning. Just fresh, warm, white bread. Who knows what I'm talking about? Fresh, warm, white bread. And Bernard and Wendy, I just felt God wanted to say to you, when people encounter you, that's the feeling they get. That's how... We feel when we look into your eyes, when we see you, when we visit you, when you welcome people into your home. And God says thank you for that. It's precious in His sight. Amen. As Christians, as sons and daughters of God, we have a few responsibilities on this earth. Who agrees with me? We should reign in life. Romans 5 says it clearly. I don't know what we're waiting for, but that's one of our responsibilities. But one of the most important responsibilities I believe we have is to share the gospel of Jesus. Amen? Jesus said, go into all the world and share what? The gospel. Don't share the Bible. Share the gospel. The hope of our salvation. Why? Because the world is desperately in need of some good news. <laughs> Amen to that. Even if I have to say it myself. The world is not just in need of good news. They are in need of a Savior. And we know Him. And we get to know Him personally. People can't convince me that God doesn't exist. It's too late. <laughs> it's too late for that. I messed up good for Jesus. Amen? I've encountered Him. I've seen Him. I've felt Him. I've, in, I've, I've spoken to Him. He's spoken to me. He's, he's told me things. He's invited me to do difficult things and go into dark places. And, and, and It's always just working out. Different than what we think. But good. 
different to what we think. Who's, like, who's seen God do different things than what you dreamed of? Now God says, I know the plans I have for you. The problem is we want to tell God the plans He has for us. God says, I've got plans for you. But I really believe, and it's been such a, a, a burning on my heart, that we have another responsibility. James 1.27 speaks about it in the message, verse 26 actually says, Anyone who sets himself up as religious by talking a good game is self-deceived. It's not about talking. This kind of religion is hot air and only hot air. Real religion. Now forget about the word religion. It means serving God, relationship with God, worshiping God. That passes muster before God, the Father, is this. Reach out to the homeless and the loveless in their plight and guard against the corruption from this godless world. Basically what it says is, true Christianity is to go into difficult places and dark circumstances. To go closer to where it hurts. Not move further away from it. The American dream, the white picket fence, it's about comfort, not the comforter. Why would we need the comforter if we lived in perfect comfort? Then you don't need him. But John 16 clearly says that you need him. I'm going to send him to you. So we're going to have to get out of our comfort zones to get the Holy Spirit to do his job, which is to comfort. So if in your comfort zone you don't need comforting, Sorry to be true and honest this morning, but it's when we get out of our comfort zone that the Holy Spirit kicks into action because He is the comforter. Now, I don't say we shouldn't have things, but things shouldn't have us. That's why people worry. Let's be honest. What do you worry about? Things. I said you, you'll blessed, be blessed this morning. Let's go to Isaiah 35. Oh, this is beautiful. Remember, God says here, invites us to, to go to the homeless, the loveless. Let me share this with you. A few weeks ago, we have a campus pastors meeting. It's the first Tuesday of the month. So this is then almost a month ago. And Emily, who's our campus pastor in Solaris Pass. Solaris Pass, beautiful community. They've worked, a church planted from within us. We planted them there, and we used to bust them in, plant them out. And what a privilege to be to walking and to see Emily grow in, in, in stature and how she ministers to the people there with the team. And there's a, a funeral in Solaris Pass. And as Emily tells us about this funeral that's about to happen, she says, but it's of a young boy, 17 years old, killed in gang violence in Solaris Pass. Stabbed to death. I mean, it, it's horrific, to say the least. And now, I remember a time when we used to bus in kids from Solaris Pass. And when Kids Church started, Shane didn't give us an opportunity to choose whether you're going to serve in Kids Church. You were on the roster. <laughs> Amen? You were on the roster. Kunarod remembers it well. Me too. We were more tired than anything else. But I remember a boy that Natasha and I led to Jesus from Solaris Pass in Kids Church a few years ago. And when she said the name of the boy that passed, it's him. It's horrific. But I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I shared Jesus with him. 
And I'm so glad that Emily shared Jesus at his funeral and 24 children in Solaris Pass. I think it's 24, you can quote me later. Got saved at that funeral. Because my God turns everything for good. Was it His will? Never. Never, ever. He plans for us a long life. But we don't always get to live that long life. But guess what? He's going to be with us for all eternity. Because someone invited Him to church and someone shared with Him that Jesus loves Him. The true nature of His real Father is who God is. We go to difficult places and difficult circumstances. Isaiah 35, verse 3. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Strengthen the weak hands. This is a command from God. Say to those who are fearful-hearted, Be strong. Do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. The word strengthen the weak hands could be translated the sinking hands. It's the hands who stop praying. How do we pray? Israelites didn't pray like this. This is Western culture. <laughs> like very much in ourselves. They prayed like this, hands in the air. Strengthen the hands who has lost sight of their God. That's what it says. Those who are tired, those who are worn out, those who are done with religion, what did Jesus say they must do? Come to me. Matthew 18. Come to me. Make firm the feeble, the wobbly knees. What is wobbly knees? It's fearful. Make firm. Stand next to each other if you're fearful. We have a responsibility. No, rather we have a privilege to strengthen those who are discouraged, to energize those who feel defeated. Not are defeated. Feels defeated. Say to the anxious and fearful, be strong and never afraid. Look, here comes your God. He is breaking through to give you victory. He comes to avenge your enemies. With divine retribution, He comes to save you. He comes to save you. Say to the anxious and the fearful. Don't say about the anxious. Don't talk about the fearful. Speak to them. And that's really what God has called us to do. Come on, church. Recently, we've spoken about the fearless family. We've looked at how to shine our lights. And I really believe that this is a, just building on what God is telling us to do. He's got a, a something for us to do in a time such as this. Acts 13, I think it's verse 36, speaks about David who served his generation. He served God in his generation. He served his generation according to the will of God. God knew what was coming and he prepared us for it. Amen. God knew what was coming all along. He didn't plan it, but He knew of it. And He prepared us for a time such as this. It's not a time to go and hide in corners. It's a time to be church. It's a time to live. It's a time to shine. It's a time to be the family of God. It says in Hebrews 12 verse 12. And this is awesome if you see how it quotes from the old. So there's a prophecy in Isaiah 50, 35. Sorry. Now Hebrews 12, the writer of Hebrews picks up on that. It's such a, a clear principle in the Bible when they pick up on the old. It says, so don't sit around on your hands. No more dragging your feet. 
Hebrews 12, 12. Clear the path for long distance runners so no one will trip and fall, so no one will step in a hole and sprain an ankle. Help each other out and run for it. Help each other out. Strengthen the hands which hang down. There you have it. And the feeble knees. Picked it up in Isaiah 35. Now he's telling you, this is still for you today. Let's help those who need help. Amen. Let's help those. Let's reach out. A time for now. A time to help each other. A time to help the fearful, the stressed, the depressed, the anxious. What we should never do is, oh, yeah, they're always depressed. I don't spend time with them. They're going to drag me down. No, we drag them up. Amen. We're not thermometers. We're thermostats. We set the temperature. Oh, horrible time to live in. Change it. <laughs> Rain in life. Shine your light. Share some good news. We've got it all. We are the sons and daughters of God. Pursue peace with all people. Verse 14. And holiness with which no one else will see the Lord. Look carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Why are they fearful? Because they're falling short of the grace of God. They don't know about Jesus. They don't know that they're forgiven. I'll be anxious and fearful if I didn't know I was forgiven. I used to be. I even considered self, self-work. Because if you look at yourself, it's horrific sometimes. But when you look to God, and God looks to you, and you see the eyes of your father is soft, not the eyes that you have for yourself. Sometimes you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see, and your eyes tell you that. But when you look into the eyes of the father, he loves what he sees. He loves to look down on you, look back on you, and you see that softness. And you know, if you look really deep in someone's eyes, you can see yourself in their eyes. It's only when I look in my wife's eyes that deep. It's only my wife's eyes who I look in that deep. But you can see the reflection of yourself through the shimmer in their eye. That's what God has for us this morning. God says to each and every one of us this morning, if only you knew how I looked at you. If only you knew how I looked at you. Look carefully. Lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this name, many become defiled. Now, be careful that people don't fall short of grace. It's evident. People are not gracious. I've heard of so many motor car accidents this week. And people under the influence run into someone and then they run off. Because it's all about me. It's about what I want to do and I want to drink and I want to drive and I want to go home. And, but then other people get hurt and then they don't stand up. Because it's not about that person, it's about me. But we're not like that. If only they knew of the grace of God, then they would know there's forgiveness. They would run not away from their anxiety, but they would run to God. Now, John 16, 32. Again, this is just beautiful. The Amplified says, Take careful notice. An hour is coming and has arrived when you will all be scattered, each to his own home, leaving me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. 
I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. Say perfect peace. What is God's will for you? Perfect peace. God's will is not like mysterious. Not willing that any should perish, that all come to repentance. God willing that everyone be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. His will is that we all have perfect peace. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. In the world you will have tribulation and distress and suffering. No one said amen. <laughs> but be courageous. Be confident. Be undaunted. Be filled with joy. I love the Amplified there. Courageous includes joy. Because why? I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished. My victory abiding. We know verse 33 well. Just go back to 32 please Jules. We know 33 but it says indeed the hour is coming. Yes has now come that you will be scattered. Each to his own and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. This really blessed me through lockdown. Each scattered to his own home. Yet we are not alone. And maybe you're still in lockdown or you're still isolating or you're still not with us this morning. You are not alone because it says your Father is with you. Not just someone, not just the prison guard, not just someone. No, your Father is with you. And what is Jesus doing here? John 16, 17, 18. He's preparing them for chaos. He's preparing the disciples for crisis. The biggest crisis in history is Jesus dying. Amen. And he's preparing them all along. And to be honest, it's as if only John listened. Because John is the only one who gets through. John is the only one at the foot of the cross. None of the other disciples. Peter with all his big mouth is not there. Instead, he's telling people three times, I don't know this man. And what is, who's, who's John? John is the disciple who knew of Jesus' love for him. That's what gets you through chaos. That's what gets you through crisis. To know the true nature of God, the heart of the Father. And when Jesus needed someone, who was there? Not Mr. Big Mouth. No. Mr. I know Jesus loves me. He was there. And he said, John, this is your mother. Mother, this is your son. Maybe we had other children. Ever thought of that? Why did Jesus do what he did there? Because he needed someone with a revelation of God's love to look after his mother. Because that's the best way to look after your mother. My mother-in-law had to look after her mother recently. And she did it with Jesus' love. And she did it till the end. Because that's what you do when you know that Jesus loves you. It's not an option. His nature has now become our nature. His image is what we're made in. His love is what we've received. 1 John 4. This is love. And you don't need me to tell you this. The Bible tells you this is love. Double pin. Here comes the definition. Not that we love Him. I don't know what other churches are preaching this morning, but I hope it's not love God more. Because that's not love. This is love. Not that you love me, but that I loved you first. Peter, how do I get up? My business is in shambles. The town is quiet. The buildings are empty. How it? It's not about you 
loving God. It's about the progressive understanding and revelation of God's true nature and His love for you. That's how you get through a crisis. That's how you fight anxiety, fear, and depression. Look at this. 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5 is awesome, awesome. We're just going to touch it. Verse 12. We are not again commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us, so that you will have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. Again, Jesus, basically, it's about heart, not appearance. For if we are besides ourselves, if we are out of our minds, one of the translations says, if we are, out or, or of, if we are of a sound mind, it is for you. If we are besides ourselves, it is for God. People think we're crazy. People think we're crazy. Is it just me? I'm the only one. <laughs> if we're out of our minds, it's for God. If we're in our minds, of a sound mind, it's for the people. For the love of Christ controls us. Fear does not control us. The love of Christ is what controls us. But you need to give over to the love of Christ to control you. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. You see, we, we shouldn't be afraid of death because you already died. You're already dead in Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. Amen, brother. Okay, so you're dead. No, you said amen. You proclaim. We all died. If one died, we are baptized into him in full unity. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Think about power, love, and a sound mind. Where do you need those things? You need power when others are weak. You need love when others are without. You need a sound mind when other people are crazy. So, we shouldn't be surprised. Because we've been fully equipped to live in power, with love, and of a sound mind. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, but you are not like that. I love that. I'm not like that. <laughs> what? Like the world. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For He called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Who do we show? Others. What do we show them? The goodness of God. Not turn or burn. The world's already burning. Who noticed? I thought I didn't say this last week, but then Herman told me I did. And I said, we should not be so surprised when the world is burning. I know we need money and we need income and we need businesses. I know all those things and it's not God's best, but we shouldn't be surprised. Because Jesus told us it's going to burn anyway. See, it's what we value. So, a few keys to overcome fear, stress, and anxiety. 1 Peter 5 says, you younger men, verse 5, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Clothe yourselves with humility, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What is humility? Well, it unlocks grace, that we know. But what is it? The easiest way I can say is humility is letting God be God. Because it says, strengthen yourself under the mighty hand of God. Clothe yourself with humility. 
and then God will give you grace. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, verse 6, that He may exalt you at the proper time. What is humility? Coming under the hand of God. Letting God be God. Amen? Why are we so fearful? Because we want to be God. Let's be honest. We want to control the outcome. Why don't you like to speak in front of people? Because you don't know what can go wrong. You want to control the outcome. You see, I make all the mistakes up front and then you all laugh at me. And I've learned to be okay with that. <laughs> because I know what I've got to say is worth me going through to say it. At the proper time. Look at this. What is humility? Letting God be God. How do I go about? Peter, I want to be more humble. How do you do it? Thank you for asking. Verse 7. Casting all your anxiety on Him. The more I study this out, the, I felt it's more profound, but it's actually just more plain. But you know, true pro profoundness is found in the simplicity. Is let God be God. God, you said there's going to be trouble in this world and you said you're going to take care of me, so I'm not going to worry about it. God said, you said you love me, so I don't need to prove anything to you. What was John's revelation? I don't need to prove anything to Jesus. And what was the result? He was there. What was Peter's lack? He didn't have that revelation. He wanted to prove stuff to God, so he wasn't humble. And humility didn't get him, like his lack of humbleness made sure that he wasn't at the cross when Jesus needed him. Let God be God. Casting your cares and anxieties on Him. Why? Because He cares. Someone once told me they think God knows of us, and he, he, but He's really not bothered. That's their view, their worldviews. God is up there and He made us and we're like ants. We're like just... They obviously didn't read this verse that says that the God of the universe cares about you. He counts the hairs of your head. Why? I don't know. Some of us is going to not spend so much time. <laughs> you know why he does that? It's an excuse to be close to you. It's just a reason to get close to you. It's just a reason to spend time with you. He doesn't need to know. He doesn't keep count. I mean, I don't think there's a book in heaven saying that you've got so many hairs and so many hairs. It's just a reason to spend time with you. It's just an excuse. Not that he needed one, but like, hey. Think about those monkeys where the moms go through their hair. <laughs> doesn't say we're monkeys. I believe in creation. Can I share one secret with you? Your father knows what you need. I hope you didn't come for deep stuff this morning, but your father knows exactly what you need. So why worry? When I, when I, when I prepared this, I was almost laughing at myself, like, how stupid can you be? You preach this stuff. You, you need to start living it. We know Matthew, Matthew 6.33 says, In this world you will have tribulation. Take heart, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Can I read verse 32 to you? For all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. 
Why are we anxious and worried about things? Let's be honest. If you're in debt, it's usually about things. You bought things. Maybe you started a business to buy things, but it's about things. Now God can get you out of it. How? Through humility. What is humility? Letting God be God. 1 Peter 5, 7 from the Amplified Classic says, Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all. Can we make it more clear this morning? God wants all your rubbish. All your stress, all your fear, all your anxiety. He wants it all. Oh, I want to do the will of God. Stop worrying. Brother, I, I'm going to pray and fast. I want to know the will of God. Why do you worry? The will of God is that you not worry. Casting all the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all. It's a one-time deal. It's like Jesus. <laughs> One sacrifice for all sin, for all people, for all eternity. Where do we cast it? We cast it on Him. Why? Because He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. What was Gideon worried about? How am I going to win this battle? God never told him how he would win this battle. God showed him who he was. God, don't be angry. I've got one more request. It's fine, my son. I'll give you that request. Abraham. Praying for Sodom and Gomorrah. 40 Lord, 30 Lord, 20 Lord, 10 Lord. What does God say? Yes, my son. Yes, my son. Yes, my son. God, don't be, don't be, don't be angry with me. It's like, it's not in my nature. I, I cannot. But thank you for asking. You care. This, this got me. All our cares are birthed in this world. Let's, let's let that hit home. Everything we care about is birth in this world. Even fear of death. Because we are dying to this world. What's the worst that can happen here? It's dying. Oh, death, where is your sting? Yes, there's nothing that you need to worry about in heaven, nor in the spiritual realm. If you are in Christ, you're a believer, you're a child of God, then you've got nothing to worry about. Then all, remember what he said, all, all your worries are birthed in and about the natural realm, the temporal, the fleshly. What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? Where am I going to live? What's going to happen to my business? You see, the cares that we should have is what's going to happen to people who die without Jesus. That's our concern. Mark 4, verse 18, and I'm getting to a close here, says, Now these are the ones who sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world. Where's your cares birthed? In this world. What does it do? The deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful.
the Amplified Classic says of verse 19, then the cares and anxieties of the world. Not heaven, not the spiritual realm, this world, the distractions of the age, and the pleasure and delight and false glamour and deceitfulness of riches and the craving and passionate desire for other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word and it becomes fruitless. Our cares are birthed in this world. How do we overcome it? We live for another. We just live for another. We live like Jesus lived. We live with the Father. We live as it is in heaven, so let it be on earth. We reign in life, not through things, but through dominion. Not through fear, but love. Living humble lives under the mighty hand of God. And guess what? At the right time, He will lift you up. Because He has prepared a place for you. He cares about you. He loves you. He doesn't want you to care about and love the things of this world because He loves you far more, far greater and the beauty of it all is He's willing to meet you right where you're at. Right where you are this morning. He meets you right there. Whether you're fearful, anxious, depressed, full of worries, full of cares, maybe you're as free as a dove. Amen. Glad to meet you. And I know I'm not always there. I care too much. I worry sometimes. I get anxious. I sometimes wake up at the morning hours. What happens? And, and is everything going to be okay? And what's going to happen to the church? And guess what? <laughs> this is not our church. This is Jesus' church. Amen? Amen? We're just taking care of it for Him. He's the chief shepherd. He's the one who brought us all together. We're a family just on mission together. And part of the mission is to stop worrying. Huh? I almost feel like Paul said, if there's no life you're after, then we're of all men most damned. If there's no, there's no, not getting up from death, then why do we exist? One, I think it's 2 Corinthians 5 or 15. It says, if, if all men, we are most damned if there's no resurrection from the death. But ladies and gentlemen, there is. There is. We are living the eternal life right now. But your Father knows what you need. And the things we need in this world is claim help form. That's, that's the small things that we make the big worries about. He who has given you Christ Jesus, won't He with Him also freely give you what? All things. Our cares, our worries, our fears, our anxiety, our depression are all birthed in this world. How do we overcome? We live for and from another. We cast it on Him. We let God be God and every man a liar. Everyone who told you that you need this and you need that and you need this degree and you need that job and you need to live in this place and you need to drive that car, let them be liars. Let God be God. And I leave you with 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 18. So we do not look at the troubles we can see now. There's troubles we can see, but we don't look to them. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. Good and bad. Nice and not so nice. It will all be soon gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. 
the things we cannot see will last forever. What do we look to? What do we live for? And guess what? If we live from that place, then all these things are added to us. Then all these cares wash away. But more so, then we become the shining lights in a dark world. We become the ones with hope, the ones with faith, the ones with love. Why? Because He first loved us. Now we can love with that love. We can love others. We can love our wives. We can love our family. We can love our colleagues. We can love the person next door, the person on the street. We can go into difficult places. We can love El Riku from Solari's Pass. And we can love him straight into heaven. Because we should be cares. The cares of this world is it's not for us. But we care of who is going to spend eternity with us. That is what moves us. The love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ controls us. The love of Christ moves us. Fear, anxiety, depression, all paralyze you. How can you go into all the world when you're paralyzed? You see how it's such an enemy distraction. It's such a demonic devil thing, fear. But 1 John 4 says, perfect love casts out fear. Hebrews 12 says, lay aside everything that slows you down, the ERV. I love that. Everything, every weight, and every sin. Forget about sin. God's dealt with it. Lay aside everything that slows you down. Fear slows us down. Anxiety slows. I know God said, but I've been there. I've made some big decisions in life. Crazy decisions. Out of my mind. At least that's, think what, that's what my parents thought. But guess what? Every time God comes through. Every time. Every time. Not late. My grandmother, she's now 85, 86 God's number might be 99, but He's never late. He's never late. Why? Because He cares for you. He cares about you. Because He loves you. Who's with me? To let God be God. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.